Welcome, whether you are online or in person in the room here, it's so good to be together. And I got to tell you, this uh, last week, I have been super bummed because I was not looking forward to fall. We have enjoyed a phenomenal summer outside in the great outdoors, playing, swimming, biking, doing all sorts of things. And, you know, the other thing is, as we you know, move into the fall and more things move indoors, I sort of have this sense of like, what's going to happen to the COVID numbers? What's our society going to do? And I was like, oh man, kind of been look, not looking forward to that part of uh, the whole transition into fall. But last week was a great gift to me because we were relaunching our small groups. And so we had two small, I had two small groups that I led this last week that were so fun to have people meeting together in person, studying the Bible together, having fun, laughing, goofing around. And it reminded me, you know, during the summer, we kind of get, you know, running here and there and everywhere. You know, we're trying to get in as many vacations as we can, right? But during the fall, we kind of settle down. And we kind of move into a, a regular rhythm. And there's something that's really fun and good about that that I really enjoyed this week. It was just, it was a good time. And in our small groups, we were talking about anxiety and how we're dealing more and more with anxiety in these days. And the word that we talked about from Scripture was hope, that God is our hope, even in the face of anxiety. And as a preaching team, we thought this would be, this September would be a great season as we kind of re-enter into fall and into sort of some of those regular rhythms to take a look at what are those things that we need from God? What are, what are three things, three words that we need from God? And so last week, we talked about hope in the face of anxiety. We want to be honest about what we're dealing with in our world. Next week, we get to tackle division and love. God gives us love in the midst of division. And this week, we get to talk about kindness in the face of hatred. And I had this really cool shirt that I ordered that said, dude, be kind. But it didn't make it here on time. <laughs> Super bummed. And uh, the, the funny thing about, you know, that is kindness is something that we can all kind of, you know, get into. We can all get behind the idea of kindness. It's why there are tons of shirts. I mean, look online if you want to find out. When we were looking, like, man, there are tons of designs of shirts that have, ki you know, be kind, kindness, all over them. And we had some fun. I was going to have this awesome shirt on today, but it didn't work out. Uh, but it speaks to the fact that kindness is one of those things that all of us can get behind. And I think it's because we're taught from a very young age to be kind to one another. In the schools, we're taught to be kind to our classmates, to our neighbors, to the people in our churches, and the people that we meet on the streets. We're taught to be kind. And I think, you know, that's a really good thing. So the question is, if we're taught to be kind, and we all like kindness, why do we struggle to be kind to people sometimes? Well, a uh, medical doctor uh, by the name of Jonathan, Jonathan Fisher came up with seven reasons why we have trouble to be kind with one another. So up on the screen here, distraction, frustration, 
rumination, this idea that we're kind of constantly thinking about our own lives and our own things so that we can't even pay attention to other people's lives. Anticipation, this idea that we're running through life trying to get to our next to-do and we sort of skip over the fact that maybe our neighbor or somebody near us needs a kind act. Maybe it's exhaustion, we're just so tired we can't do it. Fear, judgment, and all of these things get in the way of us being kind to one another. Even though studies show that being kind actually impacts our health for the positive. It makes us healthier. It actually releases chemicals in our body, serotonin, oxytocin, that make us feel better. And the cool thing is, it actually does the same thing in the people that we're helping. So even though that's happening, we can struggle to be kind. And I know I can get caught up in any one of those seven things, but I was thinking the one that probably trips me up the most is anticipation. I'm a futurist. I'm always thinking about what's next, what's coming. And so I'm so caught up in my next to-do, the thing that I want to get accomplished, that I can forget to do a kind act to the person standing right next to me, my wife, my kids. And it catches me off guard. So I want you to think about for you, What's the thing, as you're looking at kind of those seven, maybe it's not one of those seven, and this isn't like, you know, set in stone, these are only seven things, but what's something that keeps you from kindness? Is it fear? Is it distraction? All of us can struggle to be kind. And all of us have experienced that moment when somebody wasn't kind to us, when they were mean. But God calls us to be kind to love one another. And in fact, it's one, it's one part of the fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned in Galatians chapter 5. But in today's story, in first chapter, uh, first Samuel chapter 24, we will watch our main character, David, choose kindness even though he had every right to take revenge. So if you want to open up your Bible, we'll be in first Samuel chapter 24. You can pull out your Bible device uh, as well. And we'll get into the story in a moment. But first, let's get some context. So David's on the run. He is fleeing from Saul because Saul has spent the better, almost part of four years chasing David around the desert. See, David used to be somebody who would bring sort of this calming presence to Saul. But then Saul got anointed to be the next king of Israel. Uh, I'm sorry, David got anointed to be the next king of Israel, and Saul, who was the current king of Israel, didn't like it. And so now, instead of the calming presence that David brought Saul, David now brought this revenge, this sense of rage into Saul. So David actually runs away from Saul with the help of, of Saul's own son, Jonathan, further enraging Saul because now his own son has joined his enemy, David. So David goes hiding in the desert. He begins to raise up an, an army of people that help him, and they are hiding in a cave when Saul gets the tip for where they are. So Saul goes chasing after them, and Saul ends up in that very same cave. He goes to the bathroom, and David's men encourage him 
to take him out. They say, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. So David now has the possibility to take Saul's life. He's been chasing him for almost four years. But David doesn't do it. And we'll see why in our text today. So beginning in verse 10, we'll read, This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands. This is David talking. In the cave, some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on my Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. He literally cut off a piece of robe. I cut the corner of your robe but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. David, when he did it, it says earlier, was so uh, just welled up with a sense of wrong. Like, I can't believe that I did this. So he says, May the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me, but my hand will not touch you. As the old saying goes, from evildoers come evil deeds, so my hand will not touch you. And I think there are three things that we can learn from David in this passage today about how to be kind even in the face of of hatred. The first thing is this. David had a right view of God. So it says in verse 12, may the Lord judge between you and me, and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done. And similarly in Psalm chapter 57, which is the psalm that David was writing while he was in the cave, he says, have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for I for in you I take refuge. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. I cry out to you, God most high, to God who vindicates me. He goes on to praise God, even in the midst of the fact that Saul is chasing him down. And what I think David knew is that God was his judge. So David didn't have to be the judge. He didn't have to take revenge. He didn't have to do that because he knew that God would do that for him. God avenges the wrongs in our world. He makes things right, and therefore we don't have to. The other thing that David knew is that he could take refuge in God. He didn't have to defend himself because he knew that God would do that for him. And when we know who's protecting us, when we know who is judging, we are free to be kind to one another. We are free to love each other and not take revenge because we know that God will do that for us. And so our view of God plays a significant role in how we treat other people. If I don't trust God, then I'm more likely to take things into my own hands and make them right. If I don't trust God to take refuge, then I'm more likely to try to create that on my own and somehow create my own safe space. And so the question for us is, do we trust God to be the judge for us, to make things right in our world? And do we trust God to be our refuge? Do we trust him to do the right thing and make things right so that we don't have to? The second thing that we think we can learn from uh, David is this. David had a right view of Saul. He had a right view of other people. 
So in verse 11, David calls Saul father. It's a term of endearment, but it's also this sense of respect. And then back in verse 6, a verse that we didn't read, he said, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or even lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. So even when David's men's were, men were egging him on to take Saul's life, David said no, because he knew who Saul was. He knew that Saul was the Lord's anointed one. The irony in that is that David had been anointed to be the next king. So both men were anointed to be king of Israel. So I think that also plays into us a third part of how David could do the right thing and be kind. He had a right view of himself. So he had a right view of Saul and others. He had a right view of himself. So even though David had been anointed to be the next king of Israel, he still humbled himself. And we can see that in the language of the Psalms. We can see that in the text here. I would venture to say that even though he was equivalent to Saul in being anointed to be the king, the next king, he did not consider equality with Saul something to be grasped. And if you've been reading your Bible, does that sound a little familiar? That's a passage that Jesus said in Philippians chapter 2. He said, even though he was God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Instead, he humbled himself to death on a cross. So David had a right understanding of himself and others, and that allowed him to treat Saul with kindness. He didn't think too much of himself, and he respected Saul's authority. He respected the fact that he was the anointed one of God. And so our view of ourselves, our view of others, impacts the way that we relate to one another. If I view myself as better, then I'm prone to that anticipation and just running past your needs because I'm more important. Similarly, if I view myself as lower than you, then I may need to sort of bring you down to my level. And that's not okay either. And so being kind does not mean that we just let people sort of run us over. That's sort of my tendency to let people run me over. We're not a doormat for others because viewed correctly, if we view others and we view ourselves correctly, we are both created in the image of God. We both have value. So I should not put you down, nor should, allow, should I allow you to put me down because we are both created in the image of God. Similarly, Saul and David were both anointed to be king of Israel. And so for us today, the question is, do we see people as God sees them? Do we see people in the image of God, created in the image of God? And then what's great about this story is that Saul's response to David is one of repentance. He says, you are a better man than I am. And then he is kind to Saul. Uh, Saul is kind to David, at least for a season, until he sort of ramps up again. But what's interesting to me is that I think kindness begets more kindness. And so as I am kind to you, it actually cycles back around to me eventually. And similarly for you, 
And so we can get caught up in this kind of cycle where we care for one another and we continue to sort of uh, propagate more kindness. So I want to encourage us. I want to encourage us to continue to deepen our relationship with Jesus. Because as we deepen our relationship with God, with Jesus, we get a right view of God. And when we have that, when we spend time reading our Bibles, when we spend time praying, when we spend time in Bible study, small group, we get to know God on a deeper, more personal level. We connect with him. And when we do that, we have a right view of God. It helps us to treat other people better because we learn that God is our judge. He takes care of things for us. He's our refuge. He does that for us. I also want to encourage you to be kind. Pretty simple. So is there someone in your life that you can be kind to this week? Maybe it's somebody who is hard to be kind to. Somebody that you have a hard time being kind to that you could do sort of a random act of kindness this week. Because if we view ourselves as both created in the image of God, we are all worthy of receiving kindness from one another. And we can spread more kindness in the world. And what would it look like for you to do that this week, to pick somebody and to do that fun, random act of kindness? Orly Waba is a woman who lives uh, in New York. She was a middle school teacher, and she created an organization that's devoted to kindness. And she tells the story of a middle school kid that she was teaching who was known as a bully. Everybody had written him off. But one day, she stood up for him. And he was shocked. He came to her later crying and say, why did you stand up for me? Why do you care about me? I'm so mean to you. And she said to him, because I think the world of you. And I only hope that someday you can see yourself through my eyes. And that turned his world around. He is now a mentor of troubled youth because of that one act of kindness. And I think if we can view people like that, if we could only see people through God's eyes, we could change the world with more kindness. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. A reminder that we can be kind because you have first been kind to us. A reminder that you are our judge. You will make all things right in the end. And we don't have to take that on ourselves. A reminder that we are created in your image and therefore we all have value. And we can be kind to one another, even in the face of great hatred. Would you help us to be kind this week, to love others as you have loved us? Amen.